0: I'm Logan Bishop from Belmont University. You're listening to Higher Ed Social, part of the Connect EDU network. My one, uh, my one published paper <coughs> that I co authored with my professor. Um, was about sharks because he was a shark parasitologist uh, mm-hmm. he passed away a few years ago, but he uh, he really made me just love marine biology because marine biology is just one of those things where you know it's it 's like the it 's like the cute fuzzy biology you know the one that people who aren 't really serious about biology wish they want to be um, I guess uh, <laughs> at least that 's the feel that I got because I went to Middle Tennessee State University. And everybody's a herpetologist, so they all mm-hmm. study, you know, lizards and snakes right. and <laughs> reptiles. Um, okay. so, so it was very interesting. I wanted to study marine ecosystems, and, you know, I made the – I don't know if I made the mistake. I don't know if it's a mistake or not. I just decided, you know, I'll put off grad school. Um, I, 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 I want to make some money. You know, I'd like to get married. Um, and then I just kind of forgot to go back. And now – I, I I'm I'm kind of looking at grad school, um, but I'm not quite sure what kind of degree I want. So I'm still kind of in the, kind of, my boss makes fun of me for saying this, but I'm in floaty floaty land <laughs> um, in <laughs> that I don't know what I want to do. Um, and I don't know. Uh, it, the, the thing is, if I want to go into, you know, get an MBA um, and just like go down the marketing route, or if I want to get a master of communications or master of... Um, or something like that. Uh, it's just, you know, life's right. an interesting deal. And, you know, I'm, there's there's a piece of me that like questions, hey, maybe I should go back into science, never too late, um, or is it? <laughs> Who knows? Well, it,
1: yeah, if, if you ever are, are interested or want to talk, I'm, I'm um, uh, the president, uh, vice president of this group called the Marine and Oceanographic Technology Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, the president, Rhonda Moniz, is actually she's a journalist i mean she went to she, she has a uh, you know a science undergrad but then a journalism uh, graduate degree and, and she was actually an editor for one of the ocean news and technology she works in the industry, but um, you know, she, she's, she was Bob Ballard's one, uh, first uh, remotely operated vehicle pilot, not on the Titanic expedition, but on, the, um, on some of his archaeological work. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so the communications route with your background might be, I, you know, I mean, it doesn't, you know, just because you go communications or um, MBA doesn't mean you have to let go of the of, oh, of the, the sort of the biological, und, und, biology underpinnings.
0: I actually think that's one of the things that's lacking in the science field these days anyway, is, um, is science communication. That's probably the one thing that scientists are really bad at. (laughs) Um, Some of them are really great. Like Bob Ballard. He is, I mean, I watched him on Sequest when I was a kid um, and I thought he was the coolest guy in the world. (laughs) Um, and, uh, yeah, I brought up Sequest. That's, (laughs) that's always, that's always <laughs> no, but like ben, I think you, yeah. I,
1: but I think you're dead on with the, you know, one of the challenges around, um, you know, we we, and we, we were uh, in in a couple of meetings recently. We've brought this up that you know one of the challenges is scientists. Uh, what they love are being, you know, essentially locked in a laboratory and and doing their experiments or their work, or or even if that means being out to in the marine field, being out to see or you know taking readings and measurements and and collecting data. Their expertise is in the science, not the communicating the science or making the science more, you know, digestible by the public. So I I, I agree. I think there's that's, you know, part of, and then you because know, that leads to policy, right? So what the mm-hmm. you know the politicians and, and the, you know, the population think about a particular issue isn't driven necessarily by the scientists. It's driven by how the science is interpreted and, and presented and, and all that. So yeah, great.
0: Yeah, that's, I I definitely see that. And I, I mean, I see that in budgets. I mean, that's something we're starting to see all over higher ed, which I don't want to get into that. But you know, it's just, <laughs> it's frustrating sometimes, uh, someone coming from a science background, seeing science treated the way that it is. It's just, right. you know, it's just what it is. And it makes me sad. I did want to go ahead and welcome everyone to the show and welcome you to the show, Toby. And uh, would you mind like uh, introducing yourself and letting the listeners know kind of who you are, what you do?
1: Sure, Logan. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on the show. It's uh, uh, great to be on and and uh, I'm sort of a fan. I've only listened to a couple episodes, but uh, great show. Um, so my, my name is Toby Stapleton. I'm, I'm currently the Dean of Graduate and Continuing Education Programs at Salve Regina University, which is a um, relatively small uh, private uh, uh, university located in Newport, Rhode Island, and um, I've spent I've been here uh, for the last year um, you know, building graduate programs and and looking at ways that we can develop new programming, particularly around professional education, professional development, and expand upon some of the uh, master's programs and PhD pro- programs that we have here. I've been in higher ed for um, uh, about seven years formally as, uh, you know, just before joining Salve Regina, I was at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth as an assistant vice chancellor running their uh, technology incubator, which was a a manufacturing incubator, which we had a lot Mm -hmm. of marine technology companies. Located in there, making uh, underwater robotics, acoustical modems, and and we had a lot of we also had a lot of green tech companies, uh, vertical access wind turbines, and uh, and even an engine system for a vertical takeoff and, and landing uh, 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 system. So, the uh, but before that, I was the assistant dean of grad programs in the business school, and uh, so my my job in that role and and kind of in the role that I have now is to think about how can we develop programs that uh, fit a need out in the market and and how can we deliver our programs to fit what's happening within that space as well. So I've been teaching as an adjunct for uh, 23 years. So I I started teaching uh, pretty much right, almost right out of uh, college. Uh, And uh, I've I've served in a number of advisory roles for uh, particularly for uh, UMass. Dartmouth on their um, uh, they they're an AACSB accredited business school and and served on their external committee before actually coming on board so I, I've had a you know I've um, I I've been an entrepreneur I've been a founder of a number of companies I, as I like to say I can teach anyone to make a small fortune <laughs> You just have to give me a large one to start with and. Um, <laughs> Um, and and so I, I was the director of uh, the International Trade Assistance Center in Massachusetts and uh, sort of a, a blip, but a noteworthy one in my career. I was the marketing director for the uh, United States cranberry industry. So my job was to get people in places like China and Germany and Australia, for that matter, to uh, eat and drink more cranberries. So 90% of the world's cranberries come from the U.S. and 75% of them are consumed in the U.S. So it's bad to have your uh, you probably appreciate this as a marketing person uh, you know that it 's bad to have your production and consumption all in in one place, so uh, <laughs> my job was to get people to eat and drink more
0: that 's awesome um, and i I do think I find it very fascinating, especially um, in the graduate world um, the there 's more emphasis these days on preparing graduate students for, um, more professional education, not just the, the research and all that kind of fun stuff. I've, I've noticed, um, especially some universities around here and, uh, across the country are offering like masters of professional studies, which is kind of a, kind of a mix of, you know, you get the, right. the, you know, you get the, 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 the science and the, and all this kind of stuff, but you also get the, the business side of it too, that, that teaches you how to do something with it. Um, other right. than just, you know, research and, and such, um, I actually get a lot of ads on Facebook, um, for it. Um, uh, I think it's listening to me cause I have conversations with people telling me, uh, telling them that I, you know, I don't know what I want to do. Do I want to get a master's degree? Um, so, uh, I find that, uh, kind of fascinating, but, um, you know, what kinds of, uh, what kinds of programs are you guys, uh, have you guys like created that, that kind of fit that kind of thing? Um,
1: sure. Yeah, um, we, we have. Uh, so Salve Regina was founded back in 1947 as, as a, uh, you know, our primary program back then was, was nursing, right? And uh, mm-hmm. so we have this nursing tradition. But today, if you look at our top five graduate programs, nursing isn't within them. Although we, we just recently launched as a uh, continuing ed product an RN to BSN program mm-hmm. uh, we created out of a doctorate in nursing, a nurse practitioner program, uh, a master's of science in nursing. So those are three, uh, I mean, two really new things that uh, we created this year. But if you look at, uh, you know, recently we created a fully online PhD in, 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 in international relations, which we um, we launched that in the fall of um, 2018, it's the only uh, fully online PhD in international relations right now, and so mm-hmm. we're getting um, a lot of. Um, uh, you know, it's 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 doing fairly well from an enrollment perspective, and and mm-hmm. if you look at who we're targeting, it's really the the folks who work within the war colleges uh, throughout the uh, U.S. We have Salve Regina has a very close relationship with the U.S. the United States Naval War College, and mm-hmm. um, and we. Have an articulation agreement it's one of the reasons why um if you look at uh, the admirals and rear admirals retired and active duty a, a number of them have degrees from salve in fact hmm. general uh, your retired general McChrystal is um is a uh, salve alum and and if you look at in the head of the entire Australian Navy today is a, is an Australian uh, is a uh, Salvean alum. So, so we have um, that's a new product. So uh, you know, in terms of size, it's it's growing, but our top five um, uh, graduate programs are. Uh, Probably no surprise. We have an MBA program, which is um, uh, one of our uh, largest in terms of um, enrollment. We've got 700 total graduate students, and so Mm -hmm. if you look at uh, the top five, it's the MBA program. It's our PhD in Humanities, which is looking at the nexus between um, humans and technology, and what that you know what technology means to the future of um, of us. Right. So it's really interesting if you look at some of the dissertations that come out of that program, it, it's you know, that, I mean, we, and we do have a number of military officers who are in that that program who are looking mm-hmm. at, you know, said things like the effect of autonomous weapon systems and you know what that means for the modern warfighter and what will it mean for the uh, warfighter you know a year from now, five years from now, and artificial intelligence and AI systems and and so on. And um, and that that program has actually done uh, that PhD program has done really well uh, for us as uh, as a um, as a program because it allows students to really you know sort of um, explore a topic that I think really resonates uh, particularly today if we look at the you know sort of what's happening globally yeah this is uh, you know whether it's the environment or or the advancements in technology and and so on that. Uh, that, that speaks to the heart of that. So then we have um, you know, applied behavior analysis program, an ABA master's degree, and um, uh, the administration of justice program uh, that we have okay. here where homeland, uh, masters of homeland security wow. and, uh, and cyber security run uh, deep within uh, that program as well. So if you look at, we actually have two digital forensics laboratories uh, that are uh, one here on the main campus and then one located in central Rhode Island in a city called Warwick, where uh, we have a campus uh, that uh, we, um, uh, you know, we, we teach classes through. In the smallest state in the Union, Logan, geography matters, <laughs> right? So, uh, yep. so right in the heart of the state, uh, we've got uh, our campus that, um, um, that we, we have everyone from uh, the local police forces to the state police. To federal uh, agencies like the FBI and Secret Service, who uh, come through our programs to learn things like digital forensics and um, cyber intelligence and and so on. So it's 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 one of the programs, and we have a Pell Center for International uh, Relations and Policy Studies here on mm-hmm. uh, campus, which is named after Senator Claiborne Pell, uh, the late Senator Claireborne Pell. Mm-hmm. And um, we uh, here at Salve uh, do a number of programs related to cybersecurity at the national, or um, you know, so not just uh, sort of uh, change your your password every six months type stuff, <laughs> but looking at yeah. state state actors in in the cyber realm and and uh, so on. Well, so that's it's a hot topic. It's right interesting. Now. It is, yeah. And, and a lot of universities are looking at it to develop, you know, certificate and master's programs and professional training. So for us, um, we're we're um, you know, we operate well in the middle of uh, sort of humans on one side and technology on the other. Um, yeah. We're not too uh, human specific, you know, policies, procedures, and we're not in the weeds, um, uh, you know, in terms of the technology aspects. So what what I, what I like to say is you know we we train folks who go off into law enforcement at, again you know the, and that's state or federal level and um, now we we see a lot of our alumni go off to uh, work for companies in cybersecurity roles so uh, directly related to preventing ransomware, viruses, um, you know, uh, espionage in, in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's it's interesting yeah, that um, and, and certainly, you know, that you, you can't pick up. I was just cleaning out uh, some old news articles, uh, which aren't, I mean, you know, from a month ago about, yeah. um, you know, cyber, cyber. And you can't pick up a newspaper today about some cyber attack or ransomware or, or virus that uh, that's affecting a company or uh, or or again, you know, government in some form yeah. or fashion.
0: I mean, their government's paying ransom for ransomware to uh, get access back to being able to function. Right. Um, And that that still blows my mind. Right. Um, Right. My limited, I I am lucky. I've never, I've never had to deal with that. Um, um, Not at least personally. I've seen it happen professionally um, with some of my colleagues uh, at other institutions and, and such. So. Yeah, right. I, I'm I'm hopefully that doesn't make people want to do anything. But anyway, right. I always worry about well, that, that. You know the internet's yeah, always a thing that makes me nervous about just about everything. because um, you don't want to say, Oh, well, we haven't been attacked. Um, I might cut that out. Um <laughs> anyway. Um, so you know, it sounds like things um at Salve Regina is are just happening. Um I think that's I think that's an interesting thing because I think that, um, professional education is, is evolving so much these days. Um, especially on the postgraduate uh, or not postgraduate, but, uh, uh post undergraduate level graduate level. Right. Um, I don't know how to talk today. Um, but right. anyway, it's, I, I find it fascinating and I, I, I see a lot of, um, I know that at Belmont we are, um, we're a lot like you guys. We, we definitely look at, um, we look at ways that we can innovate, um, especially when it comes to, you know, programs and, and all of that kind of fun stuff. Um, though we have a lot of traditional stuff. Um, but we, we also, you know, we our MBA program, for instance, we have a healthcare MBA. Um, uh, we have uh, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of dual, um, uh, degrees like a a JD MBA and, uh, our PharmD MBA. Um, so there's a lot of things connected to MBAs. Uh, but it's, it's, it's fascinating because, um, I think that's a real need these days. Um, and and it's pretty cool. Um, I did want to kind of reverse back a little bit and, and talk a little bit about, um, you know, where you were before. So you were running a, uh, um, a tech kind of uh, thing incubator at, right uh, incubator at, at dartmouth right. and you guys are are university of massachusetts dartmouth right right so, right um not dartmouth uh
1: no that's the other dartmouth
0: yeah as i um, used to
1: say it was the other dartmouth yeah that that dartmouth is located in new hampshire the ivy league right. dartmouth is located in new hampshire and then the U- university of massachusetts dartmouth which up until the very early 1990s, um, uh, was the you know Southeastern Massachusetts University, so SMU,
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: uh, the state created the five UMass campuses, which is UMass Dartmouth, Lowell, UMass Lowell, Boston, the Massachusetts Medical School, and then the flagship campus, which was UMass Amherst.
0: Yeah. Um, I actually have a friend at Amherst. um, She's been on the show. Um, We have a lot of friends across the country now, uh, thanks to the show. But um, so the things that you were working on there um, were tech related. And um, is that where um, you really started working in uh, kind of entrepreneurship in blue technology? Is that kind of where you got into that?
1: It is, uh, you know, really. I mean, it's where I took a, you know, figuratively speaking, a deep dive uh, in blue tech because, you know, I had um, in, in my role as uh, the director of the International Trade Assistance Center, I had worked with a number of blue tech companies who were looking to export. But it was mostly transactional. Somebody was looking to export a, um, a underwater vehicle to India and their space agency, which you know is the agency that that uh, also handles uh, the water stuff. It requires. A um, export license, and so I was um, working with blue tech companies, and I, I was also a, a counselor before that for the uh, the Small Business Development Center. So I, I got to get hands-on with a lot of companies, you know, for, you know, in a lot of different industries. But it wasn't until I took over the technology incubator that I started to work really closely, understanding where the you know uh, not only where the markets were, but also the challenges of launching blue tech. Anything, right? So, if you think mm-hmm. about space, which is getting a lot of attention from, you know, whether it's uh, Jeff Bezos, Be- 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 oh, my goodness, <laughs> the uh, the uh, the founder of Amazon, yep. or the um, uh, or uh, Elon Musk, who um, you know that uh, who are driving a lot of the uh, in NASA uh, uh, too for good reasons, are driving mm-hmm. headlines around the space exploration. But if you look at the challenges of um, exploring space versus the challenges of uh, going uh, underwater, like, you know, the, again, you've got um, atm- you multiple atmospheres, you've got pressure, right. you've got uh, corrosion, you've got, um, you know, the the, um, the ocean is an unforgiving place. And so keeping something alive, uh, figuratively speaking, underwater is challenging from a technology standpoint. So, so it was really interesting to see and to work with people who were um, working on these, really, chal- working in a challenging environment to solve these big challenges, like you know, how do we um, better monitor the oceans to uh, to look at climate change and climate health, uh, you know, ocean health, and mm-hmm. how do we uh, do things like um, you know monitor it for the purpose of um, building aquaculture systems offshore or, or to right. to keep aqua- aquaculture and traditional fishing healthy offshore. So I think w- one of the interesting things about that, and what what brought me to Salve Regina, was the, if you look at, you know, so regionally, not to sound too parochial about it, but if you look at southern New England and where uh, Salve Regina is in Newport, Rhode Island, we're at the epicenter of the blue tech um, industry in, in um, southern New England. We've got all, all of the major defense contractors because the Navy is here within a seven mile you know, square radius of our campus. And then on top of that, we've got traditional sailing the you know, the America's Cup um, uh, team American Magic is set up about a mile down the road from uh, from our office and all of those industries are using technology and the big companies are um, innovating through acquisition so they're they're mm-hmm. um, you know Raytheon and you know L3 Harris and other companies are General Dynamics and others are buying looking for good technologies started because they're, they're the big companies, Traditionally, are not good at creating their own innovation or creating something that, um, you know, uh, that that's that startup looks like a startup. So they wait for somebody to, um, you know, create a startup, uh, de-risk the technology, de- de-risk the business, and then they mm-hmm. acquire them. So a lot of that activity is happening here. And And so, and so if we look at our graduate programs, especially yeah, you know, especially, but not only the MBA program, and and we also have an MS in in uh, innovation management, innovation and strategic management, mm-hmm. that kind of speaks to that. So um, it's it's interesting to see that industry and and how we can play a role. Getting back to your point about you know professional education and and looking at kind of the needs of um, employers and and thinking about and the example you gave, I think is a great one looking at MBA programs and determining where you couple them so an MBA JD or you bring in a concentration that resonates with an employer so mm-hmm. that you know they get the skill set and and you develop the you help them to develop a talent pipeline so um, so yeah so it's a, it's an interesting ecosystem and uh, interesting yeah getting to work with those kind of companies, but, uh, and, and seeing you know firsthand the challenges that they have both from a, you know, so those companies have the challenge of starting a company like every entrepreneur has, and then on top of it, they're a, a technology company that isn't as easy um, uh, to, you know, sort of the, the problems aren't as easy to solve as, uh, say, a software startup. Not that a software startup doesn't have challenges, it's, it's just different and uh, so.
0: Well, I mean, it requires a lot more capital um, I mean, you, it does. Can, have an, uh, it you does. can have an, idea with a, with a software company and you just find a person that can, or find a team or do it yourself that can, you know, code things together or build something, um, that's right, like that. But when you're, <laughs> when you're dealing with, you know, the bottom of the ocean, that's a, that's another right. thing. And, and, you know, especially <laughs> with, you know, and, and that's a, it's such an untapped resource. I mean, that's 75% of the planet is covered um, with ocean and most of it's unexplored uh beyond a few uh little pockets of places that we found interesting like galapagos or mid-ocean ridge or something like that that we send um the occasional uh submersible down to but um you know there's a lot of potential there for you know mining um i think manganese is a is a big thing that you can get down there and uh, many other things and of course you also brought up a great point too with um you know we're growing in population and we need to feed people. And aquaculture right. is gonna be a big thing um, in it's, the future. Right, um, it's, it, yeah,
1: the protein, you know, providing is that, you know, if you, if you go to any aquaculture program, and we have, and if you look at the state of aquaculture here in the US, you know, like here in Rhode Island, out through Massachusetts, uh, Cape Cod and, and all that, you have a lot of family-owned beds, aqua, you know, the, so shellfish, uh, oyster farms and and so on that um, uh, that you know definitely you know are really healthy for the you know the the sort of the food ecosystem. But as the population grows, we're going to have to figure out how to produce more protein. Or you know that or and one possible solution to that is uh, you know got, you know g- growing our capabilities around aquaculture. So I think, yeah, and I think one one thing I think the mining is a great example. I think fishing and and aquaculture are good examples. And I think the other that you're going to hear more and more about is the nexus between marine biology and traditional biotech and biopharma mm-hmm. as we you know um understand you know the, the the creatures and and um uh and the 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 uh, uh the animals that are out in the ocean today that we that we may or may not even know about uh, that that will uh, you know afford us an opportunity to look at you know where uh, can we um, again cross the marine biology and biotech and biopharma uh, in a way that uh, gets to better understand the oceans, better understand the uh, organisms within the ocean, and then starts to understand whether those can be helpful in in human health. So and and start to learn some lessons, extract um, you know some some lessons, and and also maybe come up with the next um, you know cancer treatment or cancer drug. And um, and so it's it's exciting. It because is. as you mentioned, you know, more, more I, 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 as someone else I, I've heard uh, speak on this topic has said often, you know, more people have landed on the moon than have been on the bottom of the ocean. And 75% of the earth, is, uh, as you mentioned, is covered by water. So uh, that seems like to me, that seems like an opportunity.
0: It is. Um, and, you know, that's one of the things that I I try to follow because that's one of those things that I was, you know, interested in back in the day. And uh Um, still am, uh, obviously. Um, but I just find it fascinating, um, that there's, I think it's great that we, I think that it's, you know, going to space, going to Mars, you know, exploring different planets. Um, um, a friend of mine works for JPL. Uh, he's, uh, he's working on Mars 2020 right now. And I think that that's, that Mm -hmm. it's just fascinating. Um, but at the same time, you know, we have this, whole planet that um, we're still figuring out. And it's the stuff that we're talking about here, blue technology. Um, I mean, it was the stuff of science fiction um, not too long ago. <laughs> no, I mean, right. I, we were talking about this before the show. I was making a sequest joke, but um, <laughs> like literally uh, back, back in those days um, or back in the nineties, I guess that's when that was. um yep all of this all of these concepts of underwater mining of better understanding the oceans um and i don't know if we're quite i don't think we'll ever quite get to the point of you know the oceans are where we all live uh but i do think that um the oceans probably hold the future of all of us i mean it's where we all came from so at right. least uh from an evolutionary standpoint so you know it's it just makes sense for us to i think go back cuz there's you know you know mining there's energy i mean that's one thing we didn't talk right. about but uh energy is right. a big thing too using tides and all that kind of stuff um yeah to, and uh, yeah
1: and, and right and and the US Department of Energy i i, I um uh, served recently on a review uh panel for one of the US Department of Energy's offshore uh, power, you know, m- marine renewable energy, um, essentially, um, mm-hmm. solicitations. And so it was really interesting, one, to see the priorities. And, and, and the U.S. Department of Energy actually recently had a Waves to Water um, prize out, which was essentially using wave energy to help power desalinization plants. And there's a few companies here um, in the U.S. as well as, I mean, there's, there's a few companies internationally as well that are working because desalinization plants are um, really energy intensive so if you can figure out a way to um, use uh, marine renewable energy in this case waves to power it uh, makes it uh, a little more a little more efficient in terms of uh, energy consumption. but I, but I think you're right. I mean you know the, from um, renewable energy offshore wind is another component that uh, mm-hmm. is um, gaining uh, steam here. Uh, Rhode Island actually has one of the the, the first, offshore wind farm uh, off of uh, Block Island uh, and um, and so uh, in Massachusetts the federal government has just leased um, you know some parcels out uh, out in uh, south of uh, of Massachusetts and, and south of Rhode Island that um, will be home to uh, you know really you know fairly fairly big uh, offshore wind farm so uh, and there are amazing. a number of companies that are yeah participating in that uh, in those leases, but um, uh, at the end of the day, I think that's gonna change, uh, you know, figuratively and literally the landscape of the region, because you're talking about offshore wind, you're talking about, you know, again, uh, less dependence on fossil fuels or traditional Mm -hmm. uh, energy sources. And, And part of that discussion about siting these turbines is, you know, protecting the habitats and fisheries and uh, and so on. So those things will have to get worked out, or at least looked at and considered. And uh, and so that that I think gives us an opportunity to think about you know how can you know can technology play a role in um, helping us to better understand those ecosystems? But then too, how do we mitigate? You know, that if we're citing these big pylons out in the ocean, how does that? You know, either disrupt or um, or not uh, the existing ecosystems, and and what they're finding actually in some of the experiment, you know, especially you know, so Europe's ahead of us on this, and and uh, the ter- the turbines, out um uh, you know out in the ocean actually create ecosystems. So um you know Thank the you. Uh, uh so um so if you look at um you know that and uh, some of the lessons they've learned there, I think they're completely applicable here. So I think. Um, yeah, so it's interesting, and I think th- this. You know, the um, I, I think one of the things this conversation points to is, I you know, higher ed in general. You know, talking about you know the discussion about looking at employers' needs, but also how do you leverage the natural resources as well as you know, kind of um, your eco, you know, your ecosystem that the university is in. And so here mm-hmm. we ha- we have an opportunity to leverage, um, you know, the 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 ecosystem that uh, we're in Newport, we're you know, close to. I think we're. I, I uh, don't keep track of the undergraduate statistics like I <laughs> I should. But I think we're one of the top twelve surfing destinations for um, you know for college <laughs> students. I think that, that, I'm not sure how 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 that drives or doesn't drive uh, undergraduate enrollment. But um, but we also have you know sort of You'd be from surprised.
0: That. <laughs> Everybody, everybody has a niche. I mean, in Nashville, we have music. We're we're one of the that's right. You know, the top music scenes in the country. Um, but we have other things. We have healthcare. I mean, we're we're a healthcare hub. Um, some of the uh, we have um, one major uh, research university of Vanderbilt. Um, with their medical mm-hmm. center. Um, we have uh, we're the the home of Hospital Corporation of America, the largest for profit hospital corporation. I'm um, in the U.S. We have several cancer research centers. I mean, we're we're a healthcare hub, and uh, you know that's one of the that's one of the things is you've got to um, you've got to look where a university is. You have to take advantage of the things that you know make your unique location great. Um, right. I mean, uh, we right. we have a music business program at Belmont and a and a great commercial oh, music music program. So it really fits in because the industry's there, and our students come here because they. They want to have those connections and they want to do that. And it, it sounds like the same thing, um, um, at your institution. And I find that, I, 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 find it interesting because, you know, I was thinking Rhode Island and I, I'll be honest and, and, and I'm sure you've probably heard this before. I don't think of a whole lot of stuff when I think of Rhode Island, I think of small <laughs> state and, um, you forget that it's, you know, it's a, it's a leading state in, um, you know, you know, Marine, uh, uh, you know, technology. Right. I, like I didn't even know that. Uh, I learned something right. new today. Um, well,
1: and, and you know, so one one of the things I used to, um, I uh, uh, you know, a hundred years ago when I started my career, I worked for the Department of Economic Development here in Rhode Island. And um, and so I got to learn a lot about the state's strengths and, and where we, we actually have um, you know the you know we have everything from biotech to you know to traditional manufacturing in Rhode Island so it's an interesting ecosystem and, and um, Providence and Newport you know Providence is the capital and, and drives mm-hmm. a lot of and that's where Brown University and, and um, Providence College and, and others are, are located so we, we've got an opportunity in the state. Not to again sound parochial, but you know, if you look at uh, Rhode Island, uh, you know we're we're the only four-year institution uh, in Newport, and and on we're actually on an island, uh, uh, so Quitnick Island, and and um, and so the opportunities are, you know, of course we're looking at growing our programs online. So how can we capture mm-hmm. you know re- regional and national and international audiences and. And we get that, you know, particularly in the PhD program, we have a low-res PhD program in humanities where, uh, it, it, well actually a most, uh, more immediate example, um, at the international officer's reception that we held here on campus to welcome the U.S. Naval War College's incoming class, um, one of the U.S. officers is also a Navy, Navy SEAL who's being deployed somewhere and, and uh, is interested in enrolling in our mba program before he goes so that while he's away he can because our mba like many are uh, you know, you're able to accomplish it online and so we we make it easy for somebody who especially if they're attached to the war college to do that so so i think you know that we we're thinking about you know how can we grow internationally but uh it, you know nationally internationally regionally but but i do think you know one of the ways that that you know, certainly we, I'm looking at um, how can we be successful? And and I think it's a model that others are looking at is what's right for the market. And um, like the MBA program, the pendulum swung all the way to online courses, you know, pushing it online. But I think there's an opportunity for low res programs, you know, sort of targeting mid-career professionals who are, um, you know, sort of new to the online learning environment and uh, still like the face-to-face. But because they're either C-suite or, um, again, mid-career, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, beyond, they're, they're uh, years out of their undergraduate. Um, they have work and family commitments, so the time does matter to them. They don't want a traditional 15-week semester. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so for our courses, we've, we've moved them to seven-week uh, sessions online. But, but I'm also looking at you know, how can we deliver some of those face-to-face in a blended format where you know, the class may meet for times over the seven weeks face to face. And, uh, and so we've had some success with that. And, and, uh, and again, I think that's, you know, kind of looking at where you are in the world and and figuring out what, (laughs) what works.
0: Yeah. Well, um, we're coming up to the end of the show. um, And I just uh, had my one question for you. Um, One last question. Um, So what would you like the folks that listen to the show to know about what you do and, and how it's important to higher ed and your institution?
1: Sure. That's a big question. Uh, that, uh, uh, that, uh, so I, I think one of the most important things that, um, that we're looking at is you know, how do we grow our programs without losing the rigor that's within them? How do we put rigor in there and make it valuable to the employers? You know, Essentially, somebody's coming out of our program better prepared than if um, they were just looking to check a box. And um, and so I, I think we're doing a good job of that, but we 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 need to continue. That's that's you know sort of continuous improvement. We need to continue to check in on that. And the other that we've we've had a success, and the challenge is keeping it uh, is um, you know uh, keeping ethics and uh, sort of an ethical core. We're we're a university founded on a Catholic tradition, and so we have as one of as the, actually the director of our MBA program. Said just recently uh, that we don't just teach uh, corporate social responsibility; it's embedded in all our our programs. So you you don't even you know if we didn't have this one specific class, uh, it's all the classes uh, that uh, and and I think that's unusual. So uh, for for most of higher ed, when they when they teach ethics or or corporate social responsibility, which is kind of a little bit out of favor,
0: mm-hmm.
1: that um, uh, that it, it's not embedded. With the, it's not embedded, uh, you know, sort of in the ethos of the institution. And here, so I think he, here we've got an example of uh, we've been able to keep that ethos throughout all of our programs. And so, um, so I think I think that's the lesson I've learned is you can you can grow programs and still you know sort of remain true to your identity. And uh, and I think it's one of the things that that helps the university grow is not becoming a vanilla program that's everything to everyone but something that speaks to the heart of, uh, I think what what's critically important today is um, you know ethics and, and, um, and compassion and some other things that, that get embedded into, uh, into our program. So it's, it's been interesting to me to see, to see how that has been able to, to be maintained in our programs and, and even emphasized, and, and our students, when they're coming in, they don't know they're gonna get this you know, transformational experience, <laughs> they're just looking to get the degree. But when right. they come out, they you know sort of um, they they're evangelical about it, if you will. So um, so it's that that I think uh, you know to if that answers your question.
0: It does. It does. Great. Right? Um, <laughs> well, thanks for being on the show this week. We really um, we're glad to have you. See this was great. Thank you. you. Um, and listeners, uh, head down to highered.social and get links to the stuff we talked about today, and subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you like the show, please consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps people find the show and it lets us know what you think. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at HES Podcasts. Send us a tweet. We love talking to you. And don't forget to let us know if you want to be on the show. Higher Ed Social was created by Jackie Petrano and Logan Bishop and is produced by the amazing Emma Haas. It's part of the Connect Edu Network, the first podcast network for higher education. Visit the website connectedu.network and subscribe to some awesome shows no matter where you work on campus. Thanks, and have a great week.